Hi everybody, I hope you are well. It's been so, so long since I made an intro and I really do apologize for that. Over here in my life, it's been a little crazy. School is hard Um, and so I haven't been necessarily being able to preface all of my episodes with a thorough introduction as I would like, but I really thought it was important for me to take a moment before this episode. Episode 49, exciting news, 50 will be the start of season 3, which is just like I cannot even believe that there are more than 50 episodes and that, or there will be, and that um, it's been a year of unfiltered, which is just incredible. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Um, But before I begin, I just really wanted to take a second to talk about the rise in anti-Asian hate and rhetoric and attacks um, and just how deeply problematic um, and really, really scary it is for individuals who hold that identity and for everyone, you know. um, I think, as everyone knows, an injustice Anywhere is an injustice everywhere and it's just so, so important to raise awareness for these really important issues that um, are not new by any means um, but might be gaining traction in the wake of everything that happened in Atlanta Um, and you know, this has been happening for so long, especially since corona began but I just really wanted to take a second to just deeply... um, acknowledge that over here no types of hatred racism bigotry anything is acceptable um and i am working on trying to compile some resources and someone that can come and speak about the rise in anti-asian hate um on unfiltered i don't feel comfortable in doing it myself um since i don't hold that identity and i also would never want to speak for someone else's experience but i am trying my hardest to compile as many resources as i can in this episode description there will be some resources to get involved um and then also to educate myself the best that I can. And I hope everyone else is taking it upon themselves to do the same. Um, so I just wanted to start with that. There will be much more on it coming soon. I'm so sorry it took me so long to really make a thorough introduction where I talk about it. Um, and then another thing I just wanted to mention for this episode is a trigger warning because we do talk about disordered eating but also I really do apologize for some of the audio it's a little crack cracky crackly I don't know the right terminology um and that's due to the fact I think because of the zoom so I'm trying to work on that I'm always trying to improve my audio such a slow process but thank you all for bearing with it bearing through it okay I'm going to have to end this soon because, ooch, words. Um, But thank you so much for sticking with me as I try to figure this all out. I'm so thankful for all of you. um, And I love you so much. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Saturday. And enjoy this episode. Hi everyone and welcome or welcome back to Unfiltered. Today we're here with the incredible YouTuber, fashion, thrifting enthusiast, Macy Eleni. I've been watching Macy for so long so I'm a little like starstruck right now. This is so exciting but for everyone that doesn't know who you are, which I don't even know what they're doing if they don't, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself professionally, personally, whatever you want to. 
Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me. So excited to be here chatting with you. Um, yes, my name is Macy Eleni. You might also know me as Blazed and Glazed online, um, on YouTube, but also definitely on TikTok more these days is kind of like my main platform where you can find me like all the time. I am a digital creator, digital personality, entertainer, content creator based here in LA. And I make pretty much a ton of content surrounding thrifting, secondhand shopping, but more so just like being yourself, self-expression through clothing. Um, for me, I feel like my platforms are a place where I feel like people maybe come for the clothes and I hope that they stay with so much for so much more and like leave with so much more. I really just wanted to create a place where people would come and feel good about themselves exactly as they are while they're there watching the content versus you know, watching content and aspiring to be something that they're not or more than they are, because I just want people watching to know they're just enough, just the way they are. So yes, um, lots of thrifting, but also lots of like, you know, celebrating ourselves. Uh, yes. I love that so much because I really do think all of your platforms are a place where at least I feel so safe in who I am, but also like always gaining and learning and appreciating. Um, so that, that's really such a powerful thing to do, especially with so social media, because so many people are on social media. Um, so I really love that. Um, so as I always say in all of my interviews, none of my questions have any like this one and this one and this one. There's no order. It's just what happens in my brain. Um, so I hope that's okay. It's, we're going all Absolutely. Over. We love that energy. You know that's my energy. Chaotic I, energy to the max. <laughs> I love that. Um, but I actually really loved a piece you said on the Practical Living podcast about how you really had to unlearn all these things you had learned kind of when engaging with recovering with this eating disorder. Um, and I was wondering if you feel comfortable, if you could just speak about how you navigated really taking agency to ensure that your eating disorder would not have to be your whole life. And in fact, there was so much more to you. You were a beautiful, capable person that could, and you could be that independent of your struggles. And I was wondering how you got to that place, how you thought that place could even be possible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's such a core place of kind of where my journey even online kind of began, even like the fashion content that I'm making now wouldn't be, wouldn't exist if I hadn't entered recovery from my eating disorder. I just as like a little background for anyone listening. I'm 28 now. I honestly struggled with an eating disorder from about six years old until the past couple of years when I moved to LA and begun recovery for myself. Um, and I say that because I had been to treatment centers in the past. I'd been to recovery kind of things in the past. And I think with eating disorders, it's really like you're not going to really, really do it for yourself until you're in it with yourself, until your mindset is there. A million people can be telling you that that's what you need to do. And that was my experience like back in high school and whatnot. So entering recovery as an adult on my own really for me was about wanting to, like you said, kind of grab my life back and grab me back as a person. I grew up such a like sparkly, big personality, loving to just perform for people, entertain people, what I love now. And my eating disorder, like as time went on, just completely squashed that. It completely dimmed my light. It put out my sparkle. It made me feel like my body, like my physical body was like all that I had to offer the world. And that's just completely untrue of all of us. It's actually truly the least interesting thing about us, in my opinion, because we have so much more to offer. And as I kind of was entering my recovery, a big part of it, like there's the eating, like obviously needing to get our physical body where it needs to be, but it goes hand in hand with the mental and emotional side so much. And for me, so much of my eating disorder was me just shit talking myself all the time. And I feel like a lot of people 
can relate to that. I mean, waking up and having some of the first things out of my mouth be negative things about myself, which I don't know how I was ever expecting to set myself up to have amazing days or chase my dreams or do all of these things I wanted to do. If literally the first thing I was doing every single morning was bullying myself before I even got a chance to do anything before I even got a chance for anything else to put me in any other type of mindset, I was knocking myself down and in my recovery, like kind of just step-by-step, you know, trying to shut down that shit talking, like literally not allowing myself to do it. And then little by little, you know, I went from just kind of cutting out the crap talking to, okay, maybe replacing that with some nice things, which isn't super comfortable at first. I felt super corny and cheesy and not myself, like looking in the mirror and saying nice things about myself or, you know, looking down at my body in the shower and just being nice to myself. And so I started with gratitude. You know, if you don't feel like you can, you know, jump into just like, oh my God, I love my body so much. I love this so much. For me, it was like, okay, I'm grateful for my legs, not because of how they aesthetically look, but because so many people don't have the privilege to be able to have legs that can walk them around the world. And oh, I'm grateful for my ears that can hear like things like that. And like putting gratitude out there was huge, was a huge step. Gratitude in general was a huge step in realizing that there's so much more to be grateful for outside of focusing on if I'm as thin as possible at all times. Like it just really is crazy how much more there is out there, how much more beauty there is out there to see in yourself and in other people when you're not just hyper fixating on physical bodies and thinness and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, um, I, I feel like I don't even know if I answered your question, but it, it, it was just like this progression and it's this practice that I have to, you know, practice every single day. It's not something that, you know, I can, you flip a switch on. So that positive self-talk and gratitude has been so, so key in getting myself back because for me and my eating disorder, I really do. I felt, I felt like it took me away. And now I feel like, like you said, I have charge over who I am. I feel like I'm who's shining through, not my eating disorder. And, you know, I had it for a really long time. I'd pretty much come to terms with it when I moved to LA at 24, that I was going to have my eating disorder for the rest of my life. I thought that was just me, you know, in high school, like it was known that I had an eating disorder. My guy friends would say like, Oh, Macy's just weird with food. And like, I just thought that was what I had to do forever. And making the decision for myself that like, I I mean, I remember breaking down crying in my apartment, my first apartment in LA, just being like, I live in the city I've wanted to live in my entire life. Like I did this thing moving from Ohio to LA that I've wanted to do forever. I thought it would change my life, change how I felt about myself, change like that I could chase my dreams. But I found myself still just being sad about my body all the time, crying about how I looked, counting my calories. And I was like, okay, you're not gonna waste this potential amazing life that you have that you could create for yourself. You moved all the way out here to do that. Like, let's take charge and get ourselves back. And for me, like when I decided that in that moment, crying on the floor in my apartment, I, it wasn't like happened for me, but from that moment on, like I have been in this mindset of like, I'm going to live my life for me. And for me to do that, I can't be just trying to starve myself all the time because like that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and it's so, you know, I would never want to speak to someone else's experience, but it's so easy to normalize, like the way you speak to yourself in a negative, negative light, like, oh, for me, I'm in this like student mode. Cause I'm in college. Like, oh, like I must just be dumb. That's why I didn't do well. No, I exactly. And like, I have two younger sisters, one's 15 and one's 22. And I constantly am on FaceTime with them trying to get them out of that mindset because I remember that self-deprecating talk is so normal like oh I'm so stupid or oh I'm a piece of shit or like oh my gosh this but you say that enough times and it, it literally starts ingraining in your mind 
And not only that, but you're not putting good stuff out into the world for yourself. And if we're not doing that, who is, you know? Exactly. Um, there's a really incredible like graduation commencement speech that's like, do not let anyone tell you you can't do something. And especially don't let that person be yourself. Because exactly. Never treat someone else with that type of like hatred and aggression. Like the way you speak to other people, you know, you can always be like, oh, she's so pretty. She's so thin. She's whatever. You're all those things. And like independent of even like how you look like as an individual, exactly. before, like you are beautiful. And so tell yourself that. Um, so I really love how you talked about like in the morning, how you tell yourself all these things, because yeah, it is uncomfortable because you're not used to it. Um, but this like gratitude, like what can you be grateful for? You can be grateful if you have a good relationship with your parents, you can be grateful that you have access to clean water, you know, like simple things that you take for granted. Those can be things you're grateful for, which then in turn can help you be grateful for these bigger things. Exactly. And especially like during this time in the past year in the pandemic, like there's days when I've woken up and just obviously like so many people felt so shitty and helpless and all these things. And for me to just stand there in the shower, sometimes I do my gratitude in the shower. If I don't feel like writing it, sometimes I write it in my journal and just sometimes on your, your worst days where you just feel awful about yourself or awful about everything. Like just saying the most simplest things, like I'm grateful for a roof over my head for food in my refrigerator. Like during this time right now, when so many people literally don't have those basic necessities being met at all. And it at least like sets you up to go into your day, not in like a lacking mindset. Like it gives you an abundance mindset because we lose sight of how important these things that we already have actually are. Yeah. And it's, it's so, I've been thinking about this a lot because the weather's like finally nice here. And I was thinking about how like, it's so easy to just get wrapped up in all you have to do without even taking a second to be like, oh my gosh, I'm present and I'm here and I'm in the sun and I'm aging and I'm growing and I'm being a human being. Like those are incredible things that you should not take for granted. And it's super easy when life is just so fast paced and also so isolated, you know, especially like in the land of Zoom, like it can be really isolating. Um, so just getting back to the basics is super important. And then I love this conversation because then on a similar note, you really also talk about um, how it's also really important to feel those feels like, you know, not to like push them away and try to not feel them. Like, I really love how you talk about that. So actually that was one of my other questions. If you could talk about, um, even for people, you, you reference sometimes like how your family construction and like your home life allowed you to really like feel these feels with a mom and a sister. Um, for, but for people who don't have that situation, I was wondering if you could talk about how they can really lean into those feelings. Yeah. I think that first of all, just like feelings and crying and being even upset, like they're not anything to be ashamed of or embarrassed by. And, you know, like I grew up um, in, like you said, like my mom and my sister, I was raised by a single mom. My dad left when I was six and he is a very like, he's someone who doesn't like, you know, people being happy, people being grateful, people being expressive. He sees that as weak. So when my parents divorced and, you know, my mom moved on to it just being the three of us girls, like she really taught us to like, don't be embarrassed of those emotions. Those emotions are there for a reason, but also like not letting them kind of like set the tone for your whole day. Like if you need to have a cry, like have a cry, watch a sad movie, like get in your feels and it's okay to, to talk about it. Like I have anxiety, I have depression. I was diagnosed with those when I was really young and I just, 
and I feel like saying those things out loud is just helpful because so many people are like embarrassed to say those things out loud. And I just need anyone listening to know that you should never be ashamed of those things. And that for me, like finding true positivity, because one thing I get asked more than anything online is like, how do I stay so positive? And I don't, I literally don't. It's a practice every day. And some days the most positive thing for me is to feel those feels, cry, be mad if I need to be mad in my room. Like express those feelings so then I can get on to actually feeling better because when I push that stuff down it fest and like I'm just pretending I'm positive very toxic positivity vibes like it just festers underneath of me until the smallest thing makes me explode and usually that explosion like doesn't need to happen if you just like addressed it and like felt your feels a little bit you know what I mean so give yourself that time give yourself that grace especially during this time right now when we are all dealing with so many like personal issues and things that we've never dealt with in our life, seeing so much loss, grieving so many things, like give yourself some grace and let yourself have a cry, have a yell, have a shimmy, have whatever you need to have. And then take a deep breath. And, you know, I feel like taking that energy, I just feel like letting that out isn't always bad. You know what I mean? Like a cry isn't always bad. A yell isn't always bad. Not like other people, but you know, like in your room, whatever you need to do. Um, and just doing something that, you know, is going to then like, make you feel, you know, like a renewed kind of version of yourself for the next day versus like just still festering and shaking with all of that inside of you. Yeah, for sure. It's super humanizing to be like, I'm like sad right now. So I'm going to cry and that's okay. And then I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep on going throughout my day. I think that as you mentioned, like the worst thing you can do is try to like subvert these, these emotions. And then they're just going to fester, like you said, and come back up when really that could have been avoided if you just feel them. Um, and you know, that can be easier said than done for some people, but especially the piece you talked about with these, th these mental health things, I think it's so it makes, at least it makes me feel so much better when I can put a name to something where I'm like, this really scary thing, it has a name. And now yeah. it has a name, I can really like handle it. I can overcome it. I can do it. Um, it becomes a little bit more manageable when you're not just thinking of it as this overall scary thing. I mean, for me, like that was my anxiety for so long. I didn't, I hadn't been on an anti-anxiety medicine since like middle school. And I just got on one this summer and I'd let myself get to a point during the pandemic of like, this is too much. I need to do this for myself. I need to just like stop making excuses and I need to go into the doctor and tell them what I need. Being your own biggest advocate, your own biggest ally, especially when it comes to like your mental health is so, so important because you're the only one up there and it's so not embarrassing to ask for help. It does not make you a weak person. I consider myself an extremely strong human, but I also have depression and take mental health medication every single day. Yeah, and I, and I love that because I think that like, there are so many like kind of like narratives about what mental health looks like or yeah. what you should be doing when really you are bettering yourself. And so only, you know how to do that. So if you need to do something that someone else doesn't do, that's okay. Like if you need medicine, but then someone else might not need medicine and you both have anxiety, that's okay. That's absolutely individual. And I think it, it can be like really scary and daunting to like, be like, I don't know how to help myself. So I yeah. have to ask because in some ways it makes you feel like, like that's what you did when you were a little kid, you know, um, when you didn't really know how to articulate how you were doing. But in reality, that's such a, that is so, that demonstrates so much strength because it's like, I don't know how to help myself, but I'm strong enough to know that I need to ask for help. Exactly. Um, and it's, I think of it as just advocating. That's why I like to say just you need to be your own biggest advocate because 
it's advocating for yourself, which is an amazing thing to do for other people that need help. So why wouldn't you want to do it for yourself when you need help? Exactly. Um, which yes, the, the entire paradigm, everything above is just be your own biggest ally. And then you'll be, yes, yes. I love that. Um, and yeah, that was just such an incredible conversation. A lot of my other questions actually really speak to your work with fashion and thrifting um, and really how you transcended into your blazed and glazed account, which is just so much fun, so much love all in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering how you, both how you did that, but also how you like provided a space for your previous followers from your uh, other account to join you. But you also acknowledge that like, A, this might not be the place for you and that's okay. And B, I have so much more to give than this one little piece of my life. Because you talked about how you were seeing food as food now. You know, you didn't need to be like, you didn't need to always discuss all these issues you were having in regards to eating. And you had so much else to give. Um, so I, I just wanted to know like how that came to be. Yeah, and I appreciate that so much because when I made that switch, I wanted to like I wanted to be very thought. I mean, it was a really big decision for me. I if anyone listening doesn't know, like I had a channel when I what I was talking about earlier, you know, when I kind of had that breaking down crying moment when I was 24 in my studio apartment, that's when I kind of started making kind of documenting my recovery online and had never I don't know, I had just never talked about my eating disorder so much out loud before. And to the point where I was like engaging other people that kind of understood what I was going through. But like you said, as I kind of got to a point a couple of years into my recovery where I just started feeling like, oh my God, I, I want to talk about fashion again. Like I've always loved fashion. I went to school for fashion and, but it became a really toxic thing for me. A lot of my previous work in fashion and internships and whatnot in college, it, it really was, I mean, the fashion industry is moving very, very slowly to a more inclusive place. But back then it was even worse. I mean, it was even worse. The focus on just like being it was just white, thin women everywhere. That's when I went to Teen Vogue, white, thin women everywhere. Like I haven't eaten lunch, like, oh my gosh, bragging about it. So that was like fashion in my mind was just, that's what it looks like. And so it became really toxic. And I didn't really know if I was ever going to go back to talking about it when I was having my recovery channel, because I was like, you know, I really don't relate to all of these fashion channels I see online. Like it's kind of all like a lot of fast fashion hauls, which I don't really relate to. It's also a lot of like hyper focusing on how I look in the clothing and how the body looks. And I feel like it was leading to a lot of viewers of these channels, especially like young people watching them being like, Oh my God, I need to be that small to wear that because it kind of seemed like it was all about like how to get so small. All the videos were how to get so small online. And I knew if I started a fashion account again, a channel, something like that, I wanted it to be so not that I wanted it to be a place where we were talking about clothes And it was just like for fun and everyone felt involved and invited and accepted and that you didn't have to look like me. And I don't want you to look like me. I want you to look like you to be like involved in my channel. And so I just kind of, you know, I didn't want to, a lot of people were like, why don't you just keep uploading on your same YouTube channel? And for me, I wanted it to be a complete break because people that were watching me before, like you said, some are in all different places of their recovery journey. I don't want to just start throwing try on hauls up on a channel where I've told people don't hyper fixate on what other people look like. You know what I mean? And then start throwing up me in a crop top. Like it just didn't really seem like 
the good thing to do, like the responsible thing to do, like something I wanted to do. So I wanted to create a place where I'm like, Hey, if you're into this, you can come here. And if not, that's totally fine, but I'm over here. And we're talking about thrifting secondhand clothes. I feel like it makes it more inclusive. It makes it more inviting. It's not me saying like, you need to wear this to look like me because you really can't get what I have. Cause it's thrifted. Like, I just want to inspire you to go out and thrift whatever you're feeling, wear whatever you're feeling, whatever's going to make you feel like you can express yourself best. And more so than the clothes though, I just, like I said, wanted Blazed and Glazed to be just a happy place because so many places in fashion are not an inclusive place because so many places in fashion are not a place where the people watching know that I care about them. That was something I saw lacking in a lot of influencers, to be honest, online was people saying, I love, I love you guys. I love you guys. But then not standing up for like political things when things are affecting their followers or just, you know, blatantly showing, you know, things that completely eliminate people in certain size ranges on their channel. Like I just wanted it to be a place where, yeah, people just felt happy and excited and included um, because so much of fashion again is so exclusive and that's gross to me. I think it's annoying. I think it's gross. I don't think it's cool. I think so much of what was cool when I was like in the mid two thousands younger is not cool anymore. Like I just wanted it to be fun. Um, and yeah, just less about the body. So much of fashion has always been focused on people being skinny. And like, that is so boring. It is so tired. We are so over it. Like that is, not, and you know what? I opened my mind so much, you know, through recovery, followed so many different accounts online of so many different body types, so many different kinds of people from so many different ba backgrounds. And it completely changed my views on what beauty, beauty is. And now I see it in such a more expansive way than I ever did. And so I really just hope that blazed and glazed is kind of an extension of all of that. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so important to like reclaim things, but also like rewrite things. If you don't think the way they're working is good, you know, like it's, we so often normalize like one size fits all or like a brandy Melville where it's like, we expect you to fit this and we're not going to try to change to make sure that everyone can. And at the core, it's like, that is just so problematic. Not only like- It's so the, bad. Yeah, at the individual level, like, oh, I'm this size, so I can't get this. But it's like, you're, you don't want to create an environment where everyone feels like they can be beautiful or they can find clothes that fit them. Um, and you know, that even goes in the way people speak too. Like, like the big thing at college, you know, is if people go out and like, they'll be like, oh, I didn't eat all day. So then they can get drunk. Like the way you speak is so important. It's so important. I remember and that was a huge part of my college experience was everyone being like, I'm not eating. I'm not eating. I'm not eating. Like it's some glamorous thing and trophy to be proud of when it's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, what happens when I don't eat, I get bitchy and mean and cranky. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's like this super, super funny. This, okay. this is a tangent, but there's a super funny TikTok that's like, no, you're not a lightweight. You just literally ate an edamame bean all day. No, that's <laughs> literally, literally it. That's college. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, and exactly. And so I love that you took something that really meant so much to you and, and you figured out ways that you could make it more inclusive for so many. Because so many things really aren't inclusive and we just accept that, mm -hmm. we let that be. But why? If you have a passion and you love something, why can't you change it so other people can as well? Um, and so that's actually perfect, this transition into my other question, which was, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about how you turned this passion of yours into something 
so much more, you know, really like a job, like a YouTube channel, um, especially because you talk often about how you came from Ohio, very small, and you really didn't have like, I don't know, like family and media or whatever, mm -mm. You everything yourself. So I was wondering if you could just speak about that. Yeah. I mean, I have dreamed of being an entertainer in front of the camera my whole entire life. It's the first thing I can ever remember wanting when I was watching Grease for the first time in preschool. And I, yeah, I grew up in Ohio and we have zero connections out here, zero connections in the industry. And for me, I just, it was never a choice in my mind if I was going to do it. I knew it was like my calling. I just wasn't sure in which way. And throughout, you know, doing Blazed and Glazed, I've realized that that's definitely something I want to parlay into, you know, a television show one day, um, a Netflix show one day. That's what we're trying to, you know, figure out right now, um, a talk show one day. I want to literally just take everything and make it bigger. But for me, um, I've really been able to make it like my full-time situation this year, especially with TikTok. I mean, TikTok is, I've, I love YouTube. I love YouTube so much, but I felt like I hadn't, like a, I found some of my community on YouTube, but I wasn't like completely finding it. And then on TikTok, I feel like I don't know if I found it or if they found me, but I feel like on TikTok, like a bunch of young people found me that I'm so happy did because they just remind me so much of myself at that age. And I wish I would have had someone telling me to just be myself when I was younger and to stop trying to be like everybody else. So I, for me, I mean, turning turning all of this into a job is literally my dream. And, it, and I am happy to be like kind of living it right now. But I will just say for anyone young and listening, like it just takes dedication. I have I you know, I just got an article did an interview that was in an article last week that was written up that said that I like blew up out of nowhere. And I was like, I've literally been making internet content for 10 years. No, you don't know, like that barely happens for anyone. People literally think me getting whatever on TikTok is like, like, that's literally just from hard work and dedication for over the past 10 years. Um, and I'm constantly working, like constantly working, but it's what I love so, so much. And I wouldn't have it any other way because I'm making things that make not just me so happy, but other people like laugh, which is my biggest dream is just to make people laugh, make people happy. And I have really been able to lean into that during this time where like, you know, every we're, you know, people are really in their feels. People are sad for good reason. And for me, I feel like, I've been able, I, I don't know if I would have been able to get through this time in the way that I have without you, without you guys, without the people that are part of my community, because it's given me a sense of like purpose and getting up every day. And even if it feels silly putting a fashion video together, I know it's, there's, it's for more than that. So, um, again, I don't know if that answered your question, but perfect. And I love, I love all that, you know, you have to offer the shimmies, the dance parties, like just the importance of really leaning into who you are. And like, even if it goes against the quote unquote status norm, like it should, you should be your own individual. And it's exactly. So, yeah. It's just so and authentic. And especially like if anyone, if you want to like do anything online, if anyone's listening, like trying to do anything online, being yourself is the number one key and ticket always. And there's always going to be people that make fun of you and laugh at you. Um, I mean, I literally get it now, but what these kids on TikTok don't know is like, I got made fun of this shit 10 years ago and I do, I'm over it now. <laughs> like they can't bully me. It's fine. I've done so that. Like you're literally like already been mean to myself for that. We're over it we're yeah, over it i'm so, my own biggest critic you can't bring anything new over here exactly i mean you know what? and i feel like i'm in the perfect place at the perfect time doing what i'm doing right now in this moment because you know 
10 years ago when I was in high school, like dabbling around with YouTube fashion content, I would not have been able to give what I have to give now. Like I definitely needed to go through recovery from my eating disorder. I needed to get to this place of like being able to even have the vision of what I'm doing now, because that wouldn't have been possible without that whole entire journey. Yeah, of course. And we're speaking specifically about an eating disorder because that's what you struggled with. But I think that just like in general, you know, like how I feel like people think of recovery and I'll just talk about eating disorders as one thing. It's like gaining weight or like getting your hair to be thicker or like not being cold all the time. But really so much more of your life comes back, like waking up and being able to stand and not be dizzy, you know, like showing up to an event with your full self, having energy so many and like this can be also applicable for like if you're like constantly tired because you're not sleeping well enough you're not taking care of yourself like you know like it's so important to think about just how much more life you can have when you truly take care of yourself and then how much more you can bring to other aspects of your life because of that Um, yeah and I feel like so much of like that gets lost online especially like on Instagram and like the wellness communities and stuff so much of like being healthy gets put into the category of like what you're eating and making sure you're working out enough and eating like lean enough and all this stuff and it's like no by wellness I truly mean just like you need doing what you need to do to take care of yourself and sometimes that might be eating chicken fingers and sometimes that might be eating a green smoothie and sometimes that might be not working out for multiple days I mean I literally don't work out at all like do what you need to do for you and don't let anyone else's version of what healthy or wellness or whatever dictate what you what you're doing of course and what a privileged mindset it is to be able to be like wellness is drinking celery juice because celery juice is like eight dollars and I'm on a meal plan which means that I'm eating my meals on that stuff is just too much I literally can't I literally can't (laughs) but but it, it was it was so funny because um you were talking about how like you were saying like some people, you know, don't work out and that's totally fine. And um, I was listening to another podcast before this and you were talking about how like you kind of stopped and you haven't really wanted to since something happened. And I just love that because so often we don't listen to our own desires, you know, like working out might be like, you need to run. But in reality, it can be like moving your body, like going on a walk. Like I like going, I like going on walks a lot. And during my eating disorder, which, so basically my whole life, I had convinced myself that I loved working out, but no, no, no. It's just that I thought that like skinny, cool people had to love working out and say it all the time because that's what, you know, they think they need to do. And then when I stopped doing it in my recovery, I simply realized like, oh, I just literally hate it. I, it's not my vibe. It's not my jam. And if I can get my body moving through walking, through stretching, through yoga, like I'm just going to stay over here and do that. Um, and not be ashamed to say it. (laughs) Like I I don't like to work out and I'm not ashamed to say it. (laughs) I love that so much because so easy. It can be so easily you can like run into this issue where you feel like you have to fall into these certain groups that's how I felt in college literally all through college I feel like I was just saying things that other people were saying and liking things that other people liked when in reality like none of that was me and ugh, like that just icks me out to even think about like when I started in recovery it was just like I don't want to not be myself for one more moment of my entire life yeah and I, and I love that so much. Um, and I guess that kind of almost brings me to my final question. This, this episode was just filled with so much knowledge, but my final question is actually to ask you what you think the most useful piece of advice you have heard recently is. Oh, wait, I actually do um, have something for you. 
let me, um, I wrote this down in my phone. Hold on. Oh. I know this is like a big one. It's like the last one, you know, go big or go home. Yeah. Well, I recently got Diane von Furstenberg's new book, Own It. I saw her do a live with Sophia Rowe, literally one of my favorite people in the entire world, last week on Instagram. And it's basically a book of words. And one of the words that they were talking about was doubt because, you know, doubt is something so much of us struggle with. And it's something that holds a ton of us back from actually like going after our dreams and going after the things we want. And she said in the book, when you doubt your power, you give power to your doubt. And I, and I, I just really like that. I liked, you know, don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt the power that you have because in turn, you're like literally giving power to your doubt and that deserves no power. You know what I mean? You need to give that to yourself. So I, I just, the advice that I take from that is just to go after what you want and do it full force and not let doubt or your ego or anything or what other people are going to think about you stand in your way. My biggest piece of advice that I always give people is to just absolutely stop caring what people think about you because you are not living your life for them. You are living your life for you. Yeah. I love that so much because you are your own biggest ally as we've talked about. Um, so that is everything I had. I cannot thank you enough for just bestowing so much wisdom and knowledge and love and shimmies and dance parties on all of us. It was such an honor to be able to speak to you tonight. Um, of course, I will link everything. You guys must check out Blazing Blaze, which actually has the funniest origin story that I just learned today. So cute. Everyone's a glazed donut. Love that. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much again. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Of course. Thank you.